we call this place the Prefatorium. And what we do here is talk about show matters and comments. It's been a little bit since we've been here. Feels like ages. It does. How many ages? At least two. A rock of. Plural. Ooh. I like John's answer better, sorry. (laughs) All right, take mine out. We don't have any show matters that I know I, that I am aware of, uh, but given that it has been ages, we do have quite a few comments to cover in this episode, and I'm going to start with some reactions to our Percolator episode of July 17th, 2018. Ah, I remember it fondly. It was in the month of July... 2018, <laughs> that we did percolate on a great many topics. Among them, uh, the new scene in Pirates of the Caribbean at Disneyland, Ready Player One, and the Arch, parentheses, Ashley's aversion to close parentheses. Arches in general. Yeah, all, yeah. Yeah, all arches. Archophobia. Uh, we'll get to that in a second. Mm. But we're going to start with a comment from Mike Westfall. Mike Westfall. Yeah. Mike says, number one, Drew, how's the new Pirates of the Caribbean scene itself? I've read mixed reviews from some saying the scene wasn't well put together. Either way, the original scene really did need to be replaced, so I don't miss it much. Drew's not with us this evening. Uh, R.I.P. Yeah. <laughs> The Drew Crowley Memorial episode of the Preparatorium. Why are you guys laughing? That is very disrespectful. (laughs) Uh, I think uh, Drew will probably uh, comment on that on his own in the future. So we're going to table that comment from Mike. And Drew will probably also send us texts that we're not allowed to read. Uh, comments that address him. <laughs> <laughs> yes, this will be the last time <laughs> that we ever read questions or comments uh, directly addressing Drew in the prefatorium without his presence here. So we'll move on to number two, uh, which is, I've only listened to Ready Player One via audiobook, read by Will Wheaton, which oh, is nice. Well, because whenever I stopped... <laughs> I got to tell my phone to shut up, Wesley. Uh. <laughs> I, I, I could see the appeal of that. All right. And we also have a comment from Ashley. Ooh, ash it up. Ash it up, ash it up. Ooh, ash it up. Ash it up, ash it up. Who says, regarding the arch, I'm afraid of heights and I am slightly cla- claustrophobic. I've only gone up once, and that was enough for me, which uh, I guess makes sense, because it yeah. is, uh, as we've discussed, a tiny little chamber at the top of the arch. Yeah, I'm not good with heights or closed spaces, um, and the write-up was terrible, but um, I didn't mind it from the top. It's nice. I could see it being terrifying, but I think that's part of the appeal for me, <laughs> riding up there. <laughs> like and seeing all those like work lights and yeah. gridded staircases and yeah. stuff. Yeah. I'd love to see the lights start flickering on and off and have a little moment of a gremlin outside of the, <laughs> the pod. <laughs> if they ever make a Gremlins 3, I think the arch would be an ideal location yeah. for yeah. it to take place. Uh, all right. We did an episode on drive throughs you guys may recall. And we have a few comments on that. 
One, we got a comment from Mike, who says, as this episode was downloading onto my phone, my wife was trapped in a Taco Bell drive-thru. Nice. Which, as we discussed, the the mechanism for trapping you in a drive-thru is much like uh, that of the loading area of a Disney theme park ride. So mm-hmm. we're back to Pirates of the Caribbean. Ashley says, in college, 2003... I worked a McDonald's drive-thru for exactly two shifts and quit right before I had to go in for my third shift. This was before touchscreen technology was standard. So I had a little register. (laughs) (laughs) So I had a little register with a million buttons and I had to know what every button did. They threw me in the booth after about a half hour of training and had me start taking orders. It was horrible, especially for someone with anxiety. Ashley, I would love to know if you did get to see a training video before you were put into the booth. And if you could describe that video in detail, including a description of the music that accompanied whatever training materials. I'm curious about this booth also. Like, I don't really visualize people in drive-thrus in booths. So I'm curious to see what she means by that. I I could could see it being a booth. Yeah, yeah, I'm just curious to see what she means by that. It's kind of like a little pod that's attached to the side of the McDonald's building. What is it, John? Well, is it it, an egg-shaped pod? It has. (laughs) Maybe she had like, what's the thing called at the top of a pirate ship? Crow's nest? Crow's nest. Crow's nest, yeah. yeah. I think it's more more like a crow's nest. (laughs) If it were atop the the McDonald's arches. (laughs) That you could see down and see where the cars are coming. Well, no wonder. It played on her uh, her, uh, claustrophobia. Yeah. (laughs) Of course she quit. Uh, And fair fights. (laughs) She says, on my second shift, they put me in the booth, but also tasked me with making pies and doing inventory in the basement. So between cars, I'd run downstairs and tick a few boxes and then run back upstairs to input an order on a system I still didn't know how to use. I failed to mention that the location was overstaffed, so my shifts were a week apart. There was no value in staying there if I was going to work eight to ten hours a month. Worst job I ever had. Wait, I, there's a lot to unpack there for me. Uh, first of all, um, I also worked at McDonald's with those old registers. And uh, you, like she said, there's like a grid of maybe like 15 by 15, tiny, less than an inch wide button, squared buttons. And they have like a little thing written on them like uh, double cheese, you know, because there's only enough text yeah, you, there to write. Tiny. Yeah. yeah. Just a little guy. But <laughs> if. She worked at one that was as old as mine, which I, well, I'll get to that in a sec. Uh, then they've replaced things over time, and there are stickers like layered on top of them, like on the Ooh. back of your license plate or something. <laughs> and it's just a mess, and it's gross, and yeah, it's not not the best thing to work with. And if you're only working once a week, that's hard to memorize everything and figure yeah, out where you don't it is. develop any yeah mental calluses, so to speak. Yeah, uh, but then the other thing that she mentioned that. Um, that they had a basement, like the McDonald's that I first worked out and my first job when I was 15 had a basement. And I've told other people that, and they've all thought I was crazy. Um, the Alamo doesn't have a basement. <laughs> <laughs> There's no basement in the it Alamo. It does seem crazy. Like yeah, that, it seems really that, strange. Yeah. I have trouble imagining just how do you even get down there? Where do they put the stairs? Yeah. And... uh yeah, it's I, the other places I've worked at haven't had the other fast food places haven't had basements. I think it might have been a rarity, but I wonder if McDonald's of a certain time and 
you know, if they were all built with basements. Yeah, I don't know. I wonder, Ashley, if the McDonald's that you worked at is still around, uh, if you could share the location so that we could uh, maybe investigate this and for a McDonald's episode, see if we could. Yeah, because I would definitely do a McDonald's episode. Um, it's coming. It's coming. All right. <laughs> ba da ba ba ba. It's coming. It's coming. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll do it at that McDonald's. Exactly. Uh, in the basement. In the basement. <laughs> in the middle of the night, we'll break in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she also adds, "I have mad respect for people that work the drive-through at McDonald's." Thank you, Ashley. <laughs> I also do. I mean, I think we did. We say that we have mad respect for people who work drive-throughs, just in general. Mm. No, I don't think we. Did. Don't we think probably so. should have because it does seem like it's a. We, we gave a couple specific shout-outs. That's yeah, that's true, <clears throat> but not to all of them in general. It is kind of a heinous uh, concept for me, at least. Depends on the person. Well, you've never <laughs> been through a drive-through, so you don't even. know. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. I've never actually been in a car, so. Oh. oh. Now I understand. I'm claustrophobic, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's good heights, too. It's too yeah, far off the yeah, ground. It's, it is, yeah. I like to have my feet fixed firmly on the concrete. Uh, we're going to throw it back a ways yip, 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 yip. for this next comment to episode number 246. Whoa. Our bests of 2016. <laughs> Best of 2016, all right. With a comment from someone named Tom Felton, who says... That, that name sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah, it does sound familiar. <laughs> Tom Felton. Okay, go on. He says, hey, I discovered your podcast recently, and I have been burning through from the beginning, and I finally had to comment. Uh, first of all, thank you, Tom, for listening to all 246 episodes thank you, leading Tom. up to this. Good night, Tom. Comments. <laughs> The reason why is that in the percolator, John and Drew complained about how Rogue One. <laughs> <laughs> I like, you can just literally stop there. John and Drew complained about Rogue One, period. <laughs> uh, Rogue One couldn't exist as a movie on its own without the Star Wars universe. Oh, yeah, and, I remember that. And then Drew later complained that 10 Cloverfield Lane was obviously just another movie with the Cloverfield name tagged on, and it doesn't feel like it's in the same universe as the first. Seems kind of contradictory to me. Oh, Tom, 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 Tom. <laughs> he <laughs> you has think after 200-plus episodes, <laughs> you, you, you would have gotten the gist of <laughs> the lack of any sort of uh, continuity. with. <laughs> <laughs> he says, then... When Nick points out that the oh. Cloverfield movies aren't supposed to be in the same universe, it's just a sci-fi anthology series, Drew argues with him, <laughs> saying that they are in the same universe just because they have the same company name in them. Parentheses. That's dumb. <laughs> and that he heard the second movie will lead into the third. In hindsight, <clears throat> I bet Drew feels like a real jackass. <laughs> Whoa. And or a liar. I don't think I can continue listening to this podcast with this amount of hypocrisy, negative energy, and Rogue One discussion, despite really enjoying the new edition of Adam and Nick. I'm done with the hour guy. <laughs> Whoa. All right. So let we me gained be the first a new to listener, say, and we lost a new listener. Drew 
is not a liar or a hypocrite. <laughs> and we don't need listeners like you, Tom Felton. Felton. <laughs> Good riddance. Unless you're still listening, in which case, stick around. Yeah, stick yeah around. thank you for listening. <laughs> huh, how wonderfully random. Uh, Tom Felton is an English actor and musician, and uh, he played uh, in The Flash, Harry Potter. Oh, it's... Um, Who's the guy that he's the guy that plays uh uh what's the blonde blonde dude in Harry Potter? Oh, uh Malfoy. Malfoy. Draco yeah. Malfoy. I knew Draco that Draco Malfoy. He's the guy who plays Draco Malfoy. Huh. Well, thank you, Tom. Welcome to the archive. Now I now I kind of want him to stay. Uh we hope you'll stick around. We hope you heard this. Uh Drew doesn't speak for the uh, entirety of the archive. He barely speaks for himself. Brain trust. <laughs> <laughs> he certainly does not speak for himself this week, so we're happy to welcome you to the fold. Thank you for that comment. Uh, all right. And I believe finally, yes, finally, we have some comments on our movie songs mixtape. As you may recall, we invited Creepers to suggest their own contributions. All right. Their uh, favorite songs that were made specifically for movies and we got some responses to that sweet starting with mike westfall who says all right every creeper pick three here are mine number one the power of love by huey lewis and the news from back mm, to the future good good good. excellent choice was definitely uh in consideration on at least one of our lists number but two we rejected it so <laughs> nice try <laughs> Number two, Dead Man's Party by Uncle Boingo from Ooh, Back to School. Yes. That's a really good. Fantastic contribution. Good entry. And number three, best entry, Thunder in Your Heart by John Farnham from Rad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, picking songs for this is a little bit of a challenge because it's hard to decide whether you're going for the iconic ones. Exactly. Or the, the deep cuts, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we balanced ours out yeah. pretty well. I think everybody kind of did a little of both. Yeah. Uh, but that, so, that is a great trio there, Mike. So I'm curious with, I guess, you know, you had commented, John, that you didn't know what, um, Scotty doesn't know what it was all about, and you were super confused by it. Do you know what this is? I didn't, but uh, somebody told me. Okay. Yeah. Do you, did you bother doing any research on it to figure out what was happening I, or why? I mean, I looked it up, but okay. I didn't find anything. I think you were waiting for... Somebody who said they were going to send notes about it to send notes. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. There, there was the is, promise of just notes. Silly. <laughs> <laughs> so the reason why I picked that song is because actually I don't even know if I've ever, ever seen Euro Trip. Um, credit, you know, <laughs> I don't know that anybody has ever <laughs> seen Euro Trip. <laughs> right. But in that particular scene, it's a hell of a cameo by uh, one Matt Damon who is singing that song. Who just really in the movie just shows up. In like punk rock, like hardcore punk rock makeup, sings that song, and then he's never seen it on the movie, and that's it. Hmm. And I just think it's it's wonderful. And if you haven't seen just that scene, it's worth just looking up that song for that scene and seeing Matt Damon as you've never seen him before, and probably never will again. Uh, that's a great uh, link that we could have put in the show notes. Had for I. the <laughs> movie songs mixtape yeah. episode. I thought about actually making a comment <laughs> with it, but eh, it's a lot of work. Yeah. 
And you can't edit. Do you think the director just happened on Matt Damon singing one day and <laughs> went to a production studio and was like, hey, I've got this. Can I make a whole mo- movie out of it? Like, <laughs> Oh, as in he was the linchpin for the yeah. movie to be made. He facilitated yeah. right. the making of Euro Trip. Sure. <laughs> just give me $2 million more and we got a movie. And it's still bombed. Yeah. <laughs> they should have put him in, you know, played him up more. That Matt Damon was going to be yeah, in this yeah, movie. Yeah. The trailer should have just been that scene. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, all right. We have a, a contribution from Travis. Hey, Travis. Cue the Travis theme song. There is none. He says, number one, Now You're a Man by DVDA from Orgasmo. Okay. Do you know that song? I, do, I mean, I remember the movie, but I don't remember that song. It goes a little something like this. Now you're a man, a man, man, man. <laughs> and then it kind of goes like, a man, 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 man. <laughs> Something like that. It's been a while since it's I've a very, it. It's a very classic Trey Parker, Matt Stone uh, song. Hmm. All right. Number two, Gangsta Paradise by Coolio from Dangerous Minds. That, I've still never seen for Dangerous that Minds. Movie? Oh yeah. yeah, it was definitely for that huh. movie. Right. Yeah. Uh I have, however, seen the music video for the Weird Al parody of that song. Oh yeah. Amish Paradise. I, Amish Paradise, yeah. Thank you. Uh and finally, number three, I believe I can fly by my favorite artist role model, R. Kelly. <laughs> wow. <laughs> from Space Jam. That's, yeah, that's a good entry. And that's an interesting stance to take publicly. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I don't think I knew that I Believe I Can Fly was written for Space Jam. Yeah. I didn't either. Not I either. thought it was older than that. Like yeah. An 80s ballad or something. It feels like it. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, so does R. Kelly. He kind of feels like an 80s ballad. <laughs> and finally, we have a contribution from Ash who says... Wait. Theme song. We already played it. We did? Yeah. As you were. Did you forget about Ashley's comment about working the drive-thru at McDonald's? I did. Mere minutes ago. Let's hear it again. (laughs) (laughs) The theme song or the comment? The The comment. comment. (laughs) It's my new plan to get as many, like, double our comments as having. Oh, yeah. I'll keep keep forgetting, like, I don't remember this at all. Uh, She says, first of all, I thought I'd never live to see the day when a current-ish rap song would be on an archive mixtape. Fair enough. You're welcome. All right. Her Wait, picks. Which, which song was it? Hey, Mal. Well, there goes Rabbity. <laughs> there he goes again. All right. If you want to call that current. <laughs> yeah, that movie, From this millennia. That movie was 1998 or so. No, 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 no. It's like 2002. I think. Yeah, that sounds right. All right. I'll look it up. You know I will. Number one on Ashley's list. Footloose by Kenny Loggins from Footloose. Also a fantastic contribution. Mm-hmm. Number two, Flashdance, What a Feeling, Irene Cara from Flashdance. She's got a theme building here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And finally, We Are Sex Bob-omb by <laughs> Beck. Oh, excellent. From yeah. Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Uh, I That actually almost made my list, um, and I decided to hold off on it simply because I wanted to do the version that was performed by Sex Bomb. Uh, 
potentially for a proposed mixtape in the future of bands that were made up for, for movies yeah. or oh. fictional bands. Yeah. 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 In that case, but, Sky Doesn't Know could also be in that list also. Oh, yeah, true, yeah. true. Uh, Eight Mile 2002. 2000. Wow. Okay. Well done. It's like a steel trap over here. <laughs> <laughs> can't remember what happened five minutes ago as far as comments, but I can remember what year 8 Mile came out. Did you see Thanks, 8 Mile? Brian. I did. Okay. <laughs> R.I.P. Brittany Murphy. Mm. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> what? What a weird thing to say. Well, no, I and just mean, don't like, rest in peace. No, no, I in general, yeah, but I like connected to that movie. Like, I mean, I don't know that she was that. Yeah, she was the she was the main chick in that movie. Yeah, I would have worded that differently, but sure. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen that uh, all the way through, but I just I I guess I I just didn't think. She yeah, you didn't think, did you, John? Much of a significant role in that movie, but yes, R.I.P. Brittany Murphy and Brad Renfro, who was, I believe, her boyfriend for a little while, who also died a that's right tragic early end. Brad Renfro, yes, who is that? Uh, he was in Sleepers. I think was maybe his big claim to fame. He was kind of the River Phoenix. Of uh, the late '90s, early 2000s, hmm. I always say late '90s, early aughts. I've noticed more people saying aughts lately, and I don't like it. Oh, well. it has definitely picked up. My kids don't like it either. I've always said aughts, though. I'm not uh, telling you you're wrong. I'm just <laughs> saying that I don't like it, and I don't like you. It was 1906. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Renfro was in the client. Uh, Tom and Huck, Sleepers, Telling Lies in America, Apt Pupil, um, Bully, Ghost World. Oh, he was the kid in Ghost World that uh, the two uh, female leads kind of fought over a little bit. Scarlett Johansson and Thora Birch. Mm-hmm. Yes. I remember, like, I've seen, like, four out of six of those, and I still can't picture them, but <laughs> I'm going to look them he, up. He kind of has a Chris O'Donnell, everyman, generic That's a, yeah, pretty boy a look. a good approximation. Yeah. Yeah. He's been in a ton of movies for his brief life. I'm I'm now looking at him, and I still don't remember him. <laughs> so, um, a lasting impression. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I could be totally wrong about him having dated Brittany Murphy. <laughs> no, I think you're right. I, but I do feel like he died were, under kind of slightly mysterious, mysterious, and then yeah. she died. Yes, also yeah. under mysterious circumstances, yeah. which I think were eventually chalked up to drugs. But yeah. Sad, sad days. Uh, finally, we have a comment on a special bonus episode that you may bonus episode. have heard in the wake of our movie songs mixtape. Uh, <laughs> titled, what the hell is this? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that episode was, can you read my mind? Can you read my mixtape? And Ashley says, beautiful. Nice. <laughs> so this has been like, so did you know this song existed before? No. And you didn't either, did I you? I did not, no. Drew didn't either. Kelly didn't either. Creepers, am I the only person on the planet besides the people who made this song who knew the song existed? Where did before? you hear it? Where did you... I, it's always been in... I mean, I heard it when I was a kid. Like, I think it, it plays over the, the credits, maybe. Are, oh. are you sure it's in the movie? Because... No, I'm not sure it's in the movie. That would make me think that 
Drew would know what it was. He did. He didn't. Yeah. I asked him. Yeah. And it's kind of it's kind of like it's kind of like a Bernstein Bears thing, like right now. So so far, I've yeah. yet to meet anyone besides me who knew the song existed. You've never met anyone besides you who's heard of the Bernstein <laughs> Bears. As oh no, you know what I'm talking <laughs> like about that. the Bernstein Bears thing. Uh, no, we're from another universe okay. where <laughs> neither of them exist. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, maybe it's like I just heard that. Um, I think was it Neil Diamond made a song about ET after. E.T. came out where it wasn't actually <laughs> on the soundtrack or something, but he was so moved by it that he made a song about huh. your your glowing heart or something. All right. Well, yeah. it's time to move into the percolator and Neil Diamond is going <laughs> to sing us in there. <laughs> Come back again. I want you to stay next time. Sometimes the world ain't kind When people get lost like you and me I just made a friend A friend is someone you need But now that he had to go We like it that way. We like to let everything out Steep. in the percolator. That's yeah. what we do. We let out our thoughts, not necessarily connected to anything uh, I got something connected. archive-related. Archive-related. Oh. Directly. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, fun fact. So obviously, I did not, uh, and this kind of actually ties into the prefatorum we just left, um, but you yanked us out of there so fast, I didn't get a chance to <laughs> say this before we left. Uh Evil, the They Might Be Giant song that yeah. I put on the thing, was accidentally left off the um, Austin Powers soundtrack uh, just due to a flub. And it was one of the highest selling soundtracks, uh, selling albums that year. And so it was yet again a kind of an odd thing with Giants could have had a song that everyone their mom would have heard, but because it was accidentally left off the soundtrack. That's crazy. Yeah, no but one But it really was knew. included on the it was, second it, soundtrack. It was in the movie. Right? Yeah, but they, they released uh, more songs from Austin Powers, and it was on that. But I can't remember if that was from International Man of Mystery or from Spy Shag Me, where they did the second album. Well, what yeah, I looked up said that it was on the okay, second good, album. Okay, good, good. Yeah. Maybe they made the second album because they goofed up so hard in the first one. Yeah, and in fact, I think in the notes, at least on Wikipedia or something, it said something about how that one specifically was a popular track on that yeah. second soundtrack album. Which didn't sell very well. But <laughs> Adam and the other four guys <laughs> loved it. <laughs> I mean, it is currently out of print, so right. take that for what you will. Yeah. <laughs> All right, percolations. Uh, I think we have a list of items that we could percolate on here. And I don't know how far back we need to go. <clears throat> we got to go back. The first thing that I see that we haven't talked about is this uh, open letter. From Damon Lindelof, <laughs> not Layman Dindledorf, or Dindledorf. 
<laughs> or whomever. Dindledoff. Uh To Watchmen fans, uh, this is fans of the Watchmen uh, comic series, uh, telling them that the HBO adaptation that wait, is wait, forthcoming. Wait, wait, wait. We're sure Drew didn't post this? No, this you posted this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, assuring fans that this will be an original story. Uh, so like, um, I don't know much about this HBO, uh, series, but, and, and really, I don't know much about Damon Lindelof except what Drew and I have long joked about Damon Lindelof, uh, which is the notion that he is like this or was at least for a certain period of time, perceived as this like fix it man mm. for certain types of uh filmed productions and the notion of him as the fix it man was absurd because he never fixes he it he, <laughs> he always <laughs> makes it worse <laughs> i mean it works for me because apparently he was brought in to fix quote unquote prometheus and i love prometheus oh i didn't know that yeah or he had some involvement in prometheus yeah yeah um well, yeah, of course he he was brought in to do Lost, and um, Be, because so Abrams had other it, commitments, right? Yeah, Abrams started that, but he it's kind of changing showrunners essentially. Yeah, 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 and he I don't think he planned to take it on from the beginning. Like he just did the pilot and kind of like handed it off. Okay. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I even made a Lost joke. I'm realizing it before we started this little segment. How so? So we got to go back. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't get that. Have you seen Lost? No. Uh, I mean, I watched the first, like, season. Just stop talking. Okay. <laughs> uh, and then I think he did um, that HBO show, Leftovers. I, I think he was the showrunner on that right. through the whole thing. And that was good. Uh, but they told you right off the bat, like, hey, this isn't going to end with any explanation, like because of, of the because mess of Damon that, Lindelof that, that Lost had had built up around it. So, uh, okay, so I, I don't know a lot about the Watchmen uh, HBO show, but I, the comic, of course, is legendary. Sure. The movie had really mixed reviews, so I'm kind of interested in it. Uh, the thing that this letter I find interesting is that they're not. He he's very vague about that they're not doing the story. It's not a remake. It's not a reboot. It's not a reimagining. <laughs> it's I I forget because this was a while back. But the way he words it is just like it's. He calls it a remix. A re, yeah, th- there we go. Yeah. Of course, he says. Of course, we have no desire to adapt the twelve issues that Alan Moore and uh, Gibbons, Dave Gibbons, Dave created Gibbons. thirty-five years ago. Those issues are sacred ground, and they will not be retread, nor recreated, nor reproduced, nor rebooted. They will, however, be remixed, because the bass lines in those familiar tracks are just too good, and we'd be fools not to sample them. Wait, those, wait, how is bass spelled there? Uh, B-A-S-S. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, those original That's 12 issues... Question. <laughs> Are our Old Testament when the New Testament came along? <laughs> I mean, like this is this. 
is a classic Damon Lindelof quote. Even like I don't even know him really that well, but it it's, fits it's perfectly. Right. Downright in his character Lindelofian. <laughs> He's essentially comparing himself to the authors of the Gospels right. in the New Testament. You're talking I about think, God. Who I think are saints or something. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yeah. yeah. Um, Let's keep track at home. When the New Testament came along, it did not erase what, beca- what came before it. Creation, the Garden of Eden, Abraham, and Isaac, the but flood. It, it did <laughs> remix it. Remix! <laughs> and so it will be with the Watchmen. And the so comedian died. Oh, spoiler alert. The comedian whoa, whoa, whoa. died. Dan and Laurie fell in love. Osmandias saved the world, and Dr. Manhattan left it just after blowing Rorschach to bits in the bitter cold of Antarctica. So, those are the baselines? I guess, oh, yeah. I guess he's sort of taking, well. I mean, I guess if it's set, basically set, I mean, essentially as an extended universe, what it sounds like they're doing. Yeah, it, it like, sounds like it will be informed by the events of the series. It may not assume the conclusion but of But if you think right. you know Watchmen, think again. <laughs> except, you, have, you haven't watched anything. <laughs> except he, the, those baselines are part of the conclusion. And... Uh, yeah, yeah, it sort of yeah. it sort of cuts its thunder if you don't conclude Watchmen yeah. the way that it concludes. Which the movie that was like the you know the movie was almost like shot for shot as the comic. It was a more abridged version. Yeah, but the one thing the, that they changed the, the space octopus squid yeah. things, <clears throat> which I totally got. Like that's a really out there ending for a two-hour. Yeah, movie. but it would have been really neat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and again, I, I mean, it's a I, really out there ending for a comic book, too. Right. Well, for that comic book, really. Exactly. It, it does feel like it's a departure from everything yeah. you've And I think for the before. movie, they probably did make the right choice, ultimately. Yeah, um, I was good with the, yeah. the end of that. I, I, same. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, that I look forward to more Damon Lindelof uh, commentary. But Especially I do hope, if he specifically addresses fans. Right. Watchmen. I, I do hope he just has the soundtrack to the Watchmen movie and he's just DJing it the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just hallelujah over right. and over and over again. <laughs> but he's scratching for 12 hours. <laughs> I really should have learned how to scratch before I started this project. <laughs> right. Oh, we have to talk about Nicholas Winding Refn's new streaming site. I haven't seen that video yet. <clears throat> is it a video? Is that a trailer? Are we going to talk about that? It's not a trailer. Okay. It is three feature-length films that are posted to... So, okay. Let's... I went to the site. I yeah. Like quickly browsed through it. I didn't click on any of the videos. The site looks nice. It looks great. The site we're talking about is bynwr.com. We'll put it in the show notes. Which is a... Slightly harder to pronounce than his name. <laughs> <laughs> it stands for by Nicholas Winding com, And this is not a streaming site in the traditional sense. I mean, it is a streaming site. It streams movies. Uh, but it's not a subscription service in the traditional sense. It is, I guess... Um, more akin to like, um, do you remember when Stephen King did the Green Mile and he did it as like 
little serialized. chapter books. Yeah. Yeah. This, what this seems to be is like a serialized, um, possibly an anthology or possibly a continuous narrative. I'm not really sure. Um, exploration of certain themes and I haven't quite figured out yet which, how much of it is original content and how much of it is found footage or lost quote unquote lost footage. Cause Lindelof worked on it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) God, that's a dream collaboration. If there has ever been one. Uh, yeah, but so uh, as near as I can tell, there are three films that are available to watch on this site right now, and two of them are original Nicholas Wending Refn creations, and one of them is a lost film Dum. from a for a bygone era of Hollywood cinema. And he, what I think has happened is he has attempted to. Did he remix it? Take no, but he he backtracked, so he has essentially created prequels to an existing film huh. that few people have ever seen. Okay, that's I. This, this is again totally speculatory, which is really exciting to me. I love making proclamations about things that I don't know anything about. You're gonna piss Tom Felton off even more. <laughs> But whatever this concept is, I love it. I think it's fantastic. That I only wish that I could figure out a way to like make it an app on the Apple TV because I really don't want to watch it on my computer or on my phone. Right. I could stream it. I could kick it over to the Apple TV, but that never works. So um, anyway, we will put the link to that in the show notes. So that made me think of two other kind of similar um, uh, callbacks to older movies. Uh, one, I'm just going to drop real fast. They're making a prequel to The Sandlot. Yeah, I heard about this. <laughs> and that's all I know. Well, no, I know that the original, I think, writer and director is, is working on it. It is the original writer and director. Uh, that's weird. Well, and to <laughs> pick it back off of that, they also, the original writer and director, made The Sandlot 2, which is pretty much known as one of the worst kids movies of all time. Uh, really? That was a direct-to-video It was direct-to-video. Thing, right, yeah. Yeah, it was real bad. Mm-hmm. Um, but the other thing that I just learned about, but has apparently been known for a while, I wonder if you've heard of this, but um, are you, you're, you've both seen The Big Lebowski? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. You know um, John Turturro's character, The Jesus? Yeah. Duh. Nobody messes with The Jesus. Picture him uh, with a ball doing one of these He's one things. of the bowlers, right? Yeah, he's one yes. of the bowlers. Yeah. Everything he does is like overly sexual. He like licks the bowling ball. Right. He's okay. kind of their like... Bowling nemesis yeah. or something. Yeah, that's accurate. Um, I think he's the one who steps over the line. No, no, no. Don no. steps over the line. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, no, it's not Don either. So this has got the stringy hair. Oh, you're right. You're right. Well, you know. <laughs> Steel trap. Steel trap. <laughs> you got a new nickname. Yeah. <laughs> so here's something interesting is that, um, well, first of all, the Coen brothers like are known for writing really tight scripts. Like mm-hmm. every single. Line in Fargo, every eh in it is in the script. And uh, same thing with Big Lebowski. The dude is like, yeah, man, and all that kind of stuff. But that's all, you know, written for word him. Word for word. Yeah, you'd yeah. think that he might have, like, embellished it a little bit. Um, John Turturro's character is the only character that isn't like that. And not only that, but he was just 
given free reign to create the character and improvise his lines and just do whatever he wanted with them. I know that. And Totoro now owns that character and is making a remake of a movie from the 70s, I think, that nobody's ever seen with his character as the main character. Uh, that's, That's about all I know about it. He started working on it in 2016, and it's probably in production now. But I huh. fully support this pro- this project. Yeah. So yeah, it's this weird spinoff that is going to be completely tonally different, probably, but with the same character in it. Which is really the only way that you could follow up that movie, right? Yeah. yeah. Like you have to absolutely step away from it and oh, do yeah. something completely it, no one different. wants a Big Lebowski sequel. Not even the biggest fans of it. I think. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Have you guys been watching Castle Rock? I saw the first 45 minutes and the last five minutes. <laughs> of the first episode? <laughs> of the first episode. Okay. Because the episodes are only like 50 minutes long, so you only miss like a minute. <laughs> essentially. I, I don't know. I nodded off towards the end. Okay. <laughs> I came back in. <laughs> this, John, you have your way of watching movies. Right, I have sure. mine. Uh, absolutely. Right. John, have you seen any of no, this? No, no, I haven't. Do you, are you familiar with it? Yeah, I mean, I remember, I think we talked about the trailers for it, and it seemed like an interesting premise. Yeah. Um, it's I, good. It is good. I've been enjoying it. Um, I was reading this article on it. Uh, I know I, I know. you guys have both read a lot of King, yes? I'm trying to remember. Yeah, pretty much everything up until, like, the mid-aughts, I think I've read. So the, basically up until the car accident? No, just past that. Okay. So you I read, think the last read, like, thing read, like, I read Cell was, like, and stuff like that. I, I didn't read Cell. I read Lizzie's story, and okay. I read From a Buick Gate. Okay, and uh, around there is about where I did yeah. that. I, mean, I read all the Dark Towers. Yeah, yeah. Um, what What's one of his anthology books? Uh, uh, Four Past Midnight. I think the last anthology was um, Bag of Bones. No, that was a novel. <clears throat> All right, let's 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 say I read the first, like, 100 pages of Four Past Midnight All right. and the last five. <laughs> <laughs> it's only 106 pages. So I mean, a, really, that's, really. that's a slightly different right. scenario than watching Castle Rock because yeah. you, you just missed eight years of right. development. Yeah. Anywho, you guys are both pretty well read as far as King goes. This article is basically saying something along the lines of, if you've never read King, will you enjoy Castle Rock? And his answer was, yes. Let me make sure I get this right. If you have read King, you most likely will enjoy it. If you have not read it, you might enjoy it, essentially. Because there's so many Easter eggs and, you know, hidden things and references and whatnot that even I, uh, not even I, but as I'm watching, I'm like, oh, oh, oh. And Kelly's kind of like, okay, I don't... I don't get what you're excited about, but this yeah. actually sounds incredibly frustrating to me <laughs> because I am somebody who has read a lot, but probably doesn't remember enough. To but the thing is, you wouldn't know. The That's Easter the thing eggs. is, it exactly. So the Easter egg would just kind of go by you. You wouldn't. It wouldn't like detract from it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, Kelly had you sitting on the couch, hopping up and down and pointing. And right. Like, ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> yes, I actually more than once would pause and be like, "You see this guy?" Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, despite your like insistence that I'm well read in Stephen King, <laughs> even after I told you I wasn't, uh, I yeah I do not know the references. I still am like familiar with the 
King atmosphere. Because uh-huh. um, I've probably seen like 90% of his movies, even, you know, the fact that most of them are terrible. Sure. You still get a feel <laughs> for that kind of storytelling. You start to pick up on the tropes and stuff. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed it. It's well made. I'm probably going to go back and watch that minute. <laughs> you should. <laughs> I'm not kidding. They're only like 50 minutes long, so you yeah. must have like missed like 30 seconds of that episode. Is yeah. this something um, that is rolling out episodically, or is it all available now? Episodically. episodically. Interesting. Yeah, old school TV. One a week. Two, I guess, out now. Deal with it. Uh, as of tonight, the fourth episode drops tonight. What? Oh. I, I watched it this week, and I know there was only buddy. one available. Fourth episode drops tonight. Huh. Well, um, I've, I've been watching uh, Sharp Objects, oh yeah, oh, yeah. objects yeah. or whatever. Which on, is H- also on HBO, out. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is based on a Gillian Flynn novel. I'll take mm-hmm. your word for it. Who is the author of Gone Girl? Yeah. And oh right, else. Yeah. yeah. How was it? Well, I initially hated it. Well, I didn't hate it. <laughs> oh, I here was, we go. Um, I hated oh. it. I didn't hate it. Love it. Everyone's John for the night. <laughs> John review. I was frustrated with it from the get go. Um, but for whatever reason, first of all, the title sharp objects, (laughs) come on. Well, yeah. By the time you reach the end of the first episode, you are a little bit irritated by that title. Um, I was kidding. I, (laughs) (laughs) I'm totally serious. (laughs) There's not one sharp object in it. (laughs) It's, it's a little grating at times and it's, um, that would be sharp. <laughs> it is uh overwrought, I think. Did you like Gone Girl? Um and are you well read in, in Gillian, <laughs> Gillian Gillian Flint. Yeah. <laughs> uh I I don't know if I liked Gone Girl. Yeah, I did like Gone Girl. Um I I did not think it was good, but I liked it. If that makes any sense, perfect. Uh, it makes. Lots if we of can spoil sense. Gone Girl, so I haven't. Read I actually the book. have never seen it. Well, okay, we won't spoil it. Right. But there is a point in the story, and it's not what I guess is like the signature twist of the story. But there is a a moment in the story that, um, as at least as depicted on film, is, um, not. It it doesn't break the narrative, but it does. Um, it's it's played out so absurdly that it really challenges the tone of the movie, and I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it and it still thought, works. For the right, I thought that was a criticism until you said you really liked it. <laughs> but I well, I think it. I mean, it, it partially is a criticism because it says I, I, it's not a good movie, right? Like it. In the traditional sense that it is a cohesive presentation, I like it because it it's, it feels it's unsettling. It's a yeah new kind of yeah. yeah. Um, did you guys see Funny Games? Uh, I saw the original. I didn't so see Ranger the Games. <laughs> Ranger Games. Yeah, not Reindeer Games. No Reindeer Games. Oh, I thought we were talking about Ben Affleck. <laughs> right. Exactly. That's. Okay. <laughs> he's, in, he's in reindeer games. Yeah, reindeer games. <laughs> exactly. Did you know did you know that his name is Rudy like Rudolph 
And oh, I didn't even make that connection. I didn't. I haven't seen it. But there's a really good episode <laughs> of How Did This Get Made where they, uh, where they like realize it in the middle of the episode, right. and then like they all figure out that there are <laughs> other characters that are like this weird Santa motif. It's strange. Anyway, <laughs> sharp objects. <laughs> it's good. I would recommend it. Okay. All right. Cool. That's the percolator. Yeah. Thanks for steeping with us. Love, I'm out. Love you. <laughs> what are we talking about next time on the archive? We are going to be dusting off the old trailer and trailing on. We have an archive trailer. Is that where we view trailers? Do you not remember the, the room that you guys got built? With nice plush seats. No, I think the last time we were there, like the wolves were... Uh, present, so right. I didn't even go in. Oh, I'm still there. Well, we're going there. Yeah. See you there. Here we go.